I'm Scott Clapson. We are here today recording at A Million Drops with Robert Galinsky. Robert, how are you? I'm great. How <laughs> are you? The crowd goes wild. I am wonderful, Robert. It's really great to see you. And great to have you as our first returning guest to Real Good Stuff. Wow, I think I was your first guest and now I'm your first returning guest. Yes, wow. You're like... A first. A first. Of sorts. Well, you're kind of my favorite volunteer in a lot of ways, right? And I didn't know that about you when... We first recorded. Yeah, we, we right? first we first met almost a year you ago. Give so much of your time. Like I, it's inspiring how much, because you don't need to, right? I follow you on social media and the the things you do, the way you your hashtag is show up, right? And you do you show. That's why I wanted to have you back. I mean, of course, we're going to talk about the improv class that you're doing now at a million drops and all of that. But why why do you spend so much time? Why is that important to you? It's a great question. Uh, it's just been part of who I am for a long time, and I feel like uh, I like going against the norm yeah. in so many different ways, and this is going against the norm, and it also just fills my heart. It makes me feel good. When I, when I go to bed at night, I feel good that I contributed somehow to other people's happiness and creativity, yeah. and um, my family, you know, concerned with money, but we weren't really trained to be about going for the bucks. My dad yeah. was a civil servant. He was a, oh, okay. a number of different things. He was yeah. a justice of the peace. He was a pharmacist. He owned a pharmacy. He was a science teacher, a math teacher. He was the chairman of the board of education and um, <clears throat> town clerk at one point. So he's been involved in community. Okay. And that watching that growing up and seeing him be of service to community without worrying about so much, you know, in, worrying about the income that comes with that. Yeah. The income is love. The income is yeah. this happy feeling inside. Oh, yeah. The income is, like you said, being present with people. And that was one of the things, like, because for years I didn't realize that so many other people were searching for community like I was searching for community. And when I realized I was going to find that community in activism, in showing up mm -hmm. for other people mm -hmm. who other people weren't showing up for them either. But I didn't know they were going through that. Right. And we're not really taught that because yeah. we're taught to take it up and, you know, just take the stuff. Don't show up. It's we're taught to just, you know, bootstraps. It's the it's, myth of individualism. Exactly. Right. We yeah. all do. I do it on my own. I did this. On, well, I didn't. We just talked about that with Chevelle, actually, how even the podcasting experience for me, it's not just me. You know, had nope. it not been for these this retired couple in my hometown saying we want to start a nonprofit radio, we see you working with other groups in this collaboration you keep talking about. Can you like help us? We need to get more people it's involved, perfect. right? Yeah, it doesn't happen alone. And and so there, what do what do you get out of that? I mean, what what that you you do a lot of this as well. You're lauding me. You do a ton of this. Ooh. Giving and collaborating and connecting people. Yeah, let's unpack that. Uh, I feel really isolated. I've always felt really isolated since I was a kid. I felt very misunderstood. I felt, even now, at 45, I feel like people don't hear. And I know it happens to other people. I know it just doesn't happen to me. But when I started realizing that like, that wasn't going to change, 
and that there were other people that because of their skin color or other things that you know my my queerness can sometimes I can be passable so to speak or whatever mm-hmm. um, but realizing that there are other people that don't have the privilege that I have and that there are folks that look like me that aren't listening and so because I know because of things that I've learned it's my job you know to show up and call it white whiteness white privilege whatever you want to call it it's my job you know now that people have educated me it's my job now to educate folks around me that mm-hmm. look like me to help them kind of understand when we talk about things like homelessness we can also talk about redlining we can talk about you know gentrification posting about it on social media and what's happening on Crenshaw you know and just yep. um, the high numbers of folks of African descent that are on the street that are surviving homelessness um, is so impactful and um, yeah, I've been passionate about this for a long time. I think we talked about That's that great. in, you know, the first podcast. In maybe our first, yeah. maybe our first podcast can be released as like DVD plus materials at the end, end of a season or something. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was thinking that this archive. might be this might be nice to like kind of like as we're airing the episodes of the first season of Real Good Stuff to air like because I want the one with Chevelle yeah. to air now. Like yeah. I don't want to wait till the other twenty air. I want people to hear what he's got to say now. Um, because it was so fascinating, you know. So speaking of teaching people, right, we're in a learning center, right? Yep. At a million, a million drops, drops learning center, milliondrops.org, if you've never been to the website, uh, or come visit us uh, at the corner of Hollywood Boulevard and Van Ness in Hollywood. Um, we've been learning a lot in the podcasting classes, right, as I've been kind of learning about this and wanting to, like, teach folks how to do this and getting folks on the microphone, um, like folks have done with me. Uh, I just stood watching your improv and acting class uh-huh. wow like how so how long have you been doing this here teaching and working with folks here or in general you mean um at a million drops yeah about 10 months now okay has it only been 10 months yeah i know it feels like a lifetime yeah it feels, it feels like it's been more than a year yeah i didn't get here until last august so okay 10 okay. months and um i've been doing the whole thing since i was about uh, I guess maybe the size of a peanut and okay. just I've been you know we're all improvising while we're growing up and yeah. without necessarily knowing that we are and when at a certain point when I met a teacher <clears throat> named Amy Sehan she told me that you know there's principles behind what you're doing here and so I, I learned those principles in uh, 1986 okay last century and <clears throat> and um, so since then, I've been doing improv- improvisation on a brilliant man who just passed away named Jerry Diner, okay. a stand-up comedian, taught me three principles that have been guiding principles for me all my life, on stage and off, which is never deny, always reply, and never ask why. On stage or when you're being creative, okay. ne- never deny. Say yes to everything. Say yes to every idea while you're being creative. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen? Um, always reply. Everything's a gift. you know. So if somebody coughs use it make it work you know uh, if a car beeps a horn outside the theater and it leaks into this this theater use it don't ignore it right so always reply when somebody on stage does something crazy reply don't ignore it um, they're all gifts and then the last is never ask why which is um, while doing the creative the why question is an analytical question and it slow it stops the action the why gets answered through the process so the process is going to tell us why we're doing what we're doing so we're in the moment. It's super Buddhist Zen. Oh my gosh! Stay in the moment. Yes. 
I'm like vibing with everything you just said. And, and Jerry Diner <laughs> taught me that when I was 17 and wow. I'm now 54. Okay. And that has been a guiding principle for me when I get sad, blue, or depressed sometimes, it's usually because I'm thinking, why? Why this? Yeah. Why here? Why now? So just getting rid of that question. Yeah. Um, and some people say never say never. And so that it, these are principles. They're not yeah. rules. They're guidelines. Yeah. They're guidelines to, to follow and to learn and then to break. Yeah. So that's, that's what it's from. I've been practicing saying yes. That's how I got involved in podcasting, right? Terrific. I was like looking at them going, how do you start a radio in a town of 7,000 people? Are you kidding? Like... But they did, and I just went along for the ride because I was like, sure, I'll, I like the word collaboration. Let's yeah. talk about it. Let's yeah. figure out how to help you. And then they discovered that, oh, Scotty likes to talk, so let's put and him on the microphone. At that. Yeah. Um, so 10 months of this class here, and, and you call it an improv? I call it unscripted leadership, Okay. which is, it's based on improv. I just kind of renamed improvisational theater okay. to unscripted leadership because it's really about taking control of your, your body, your instrument, your ideas, mm -hmm. and leading. You know, um, When we improvise with each other, somebody ends up taking the lead somehow, okay. and you've got to follow. So it's yeah. cool to be a follower of somebody who's paving a new path. Um, and we don't have a script all the time, especially when we're improvising, but in life we don't have a script. We've got right. notes and we've got uh, outlines and guidelines and whatnot, but we don't have the full yeah. story. So um, again, these principles have helped me navigate that, and I feel like everybody should be thinking about um, how to be a leader without a script. It's easier when you have a script, when you have a monologue, when you have a speech prepared. There's still difficulties in that, but. When you have something written down in front of you, you don't have to take as many chances because it's right. all there for you. Yeah. So the chances are the fun part. Oh, absolutely. The chances are certainly the fun part. Um, so you've been doing this for 10 months and you all have had these performances, you're calling them Streetwise? I didn't name it, but I love the name, Streetwise. We did Streetwise 1 and Streetwise 2. Okay. And now we're going to do Streetwise 3 uh, upcoming. and. Um, I like the name, and, and, and I think if I had named it that, I would have been accused by somebody or certain people of the privilege um, tag. Ooh, the P, know, word. the P word! Which um, I think is a powerful thing that's being pointed out because white people have always had that privilege. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way this country has been designed. Yeah. So for white people to now finally understand what uh, people of color have been seeing forever, right. is that you know if you're white, you get that extra edge in many cases, not every case. Mm -hmm. um, so if people ask me or, you know, or tell me, oh, you're coming at it from a place of privilege, they say two things. One, you don't know what you're talking about, right? right? Um, because you don't know me. Right. And two, I've come up with my own new phrase, which is, yeah, privilege for a purpose. Right. It's privilege for a purpose. So if you're going to tell me I'm privileged because of my skin color, which I don't always see every day, I put right. my racial lenses on yeah. randomly, um, or they appear randomly. Um, so if you're going to tell me I'm coming from a place of privilege, all right, cool, I am. And I'm using it for something. Mm -hmm. What are you using your privilege right. for? Yeah. More vacation time? Um, yeah. Better car? Yeah. Lawn fertilizer for the greener grass? Or are you using your privilege to help others we're in this together it's a beautiful thing to work with each other so right. that's privilege for purpose is my thing and that the cafe here was packed there are so many people in that class yeah we started with like six and right we're over 20 it's amazing 
was phenomenal. And they were so engaged. And you had them like doing things that like, there's a reason why kind of I haven't come. I'm not so comfortable acting like that, right? Like you got them like doing things and moving their bodies and making sounds and like becoming other things that aren't human and like yeah the phenomenal we're we're learning how to be comfortable in the uncomfortable yeah and confident in the unfamiliar just like life so every time we do the class we talk about what's happening in the studio in the room in the cafe there but then we jump outside with it and say well how does this relate to what right. we're doing outside and if people are willing to take chances with each other here and they then go out into the world and have that confidence now, they're gonna take chances, not stupid chances, not uninformed chances, but chances that might actually garner some kind of benefit for them. Then great, let's do it. You're like saying everything that I wanted to talk with you about in Good. the first podcast. Oh, I know. I love, I love the things that you're saying and I love the way that you are talking about the importance of what we're learning in this space at a million drops to be able to apply to our lives, right? Yeah, we absolutely make that. There's a metaphor for those crazy noises and sounds and figures you just saw, right. you know, an hour ago. There's a place for that out in the real world. You know, it's, it's I don't know where, I can't tell you right now, but right. there's a place for that kind of thinking. We're all one. I mean, the more I'm, I'm doing a lot of conferences now, at uh, coaching speakers at climate conferences. Yeah. And I'm learning a lot about the earth and the air and mm -hmm. you know and how everything is alive. It's all one thing. And that yeah. that has been ridiculed over time by the powers that be because they want to keep us enslaved in our jobs and working for our retirements. And I'm colonization of Yeah, right? And I <laughs> I retired, you know, eighteen when I was eighteen years old. Okay. When I decided I'm not worried about uh, retirement. I'm yeah. not really that worried about Income. I mean, I do want income. I, I want to be able to live and do things that I like to do, but I also want to share that with others. Yeah. So, um, but it's it's really goes against a lot of what the normalcy of um, this colonized mind is, which is to gather and get and accumulate as much as you can, mm -hmm. um, and not share or acknowledge we are all part of this together. Right. Therefore, living like that is actually, for me, exciting and thrilling, as mm -hmm. opposed to the other way, which is um, scared and isolated and defensive, and I don't want to be like that. Yeah. Yeah, sharing is such a part, such a, it goes back to collaboration, mm -hmm. right? This idea of, like, understanding that, like, as we're learning, we're learning together, and just this journey, well in the first podcast we had together, I was just listening to it earlier today, this journey to empathy, this journey to connection, right? We're so disconnected with our phones, with our computers, with everything, we've lost that like human. It's like, been trained out of us. I, yeah. I wanna blame um, the global board of directors who have been producing media and commercials that have trained this out of human beings. I, yeah. as a white male, and you're as a white male, you and I, in their eyes, in the eyes of our current society, we, we are abnormal, you and I. We were supposed to grow up like little robots, right. follow the orders that were given to us through television commercials, mm -hmm. through the dumbing down of our public educations, our private yeah. educations, and 
somewhere along the way, guys like you and I, and there's plenty of us out there, yeah. um, decided or had it decided for us some sort of spiritual way that we're not going to lockstep and carry on this numb, mindless kind of living. Right. Uh, and I, I, I'm slowly but surely becoming more bold in saying it. You yeah. Know? Um, and that's I re, every day. The joy I get out of my days right now is reprogramming mm -hmm. myself. Oh yeah. And deprogramming from mm -hmm. what I was told to do and be. I'm supposed to be a guy who's got a shitload of money in the bank right now, a right. good retirement plan, the car that's you know brand new or six months old at the most. You know, yeah. I'm supposed to be that guy, and it feels so much better to not be that guy. Right. It's to be a unique human being who is, you know, satisfied and gets fulfillment out of serving others and collaborating with others and risking with others. That's the excitement. That's, that's why when I go to bed at night, and I'm not going to bed peacefully every night. I'm mm -hmm. frustrated plenty of times. Oh, yeah. And I'm not always excited and happy about things. But when I do look back, and down what I'm doing, I go, you know what? You don't have to report to anybody except yourself. And you make your own rules and you fail on your own and you win on your own. And it's a damn struggle. But when I'm, I recently was working with some actors and they're all like, you're gonna have, you know, you're gonna have to learn how to face rejection. And you know, this is a really difficult, difficult um, business to be in. Um, and I'm like, what isn't a difficult business to be in? <laughs> right? What isn't? And where, where else don't you get no? You get no all the time. Yeah. If you go to work for IBM or you go to work for Starbucks, you're, you're trying to climb a particular ladder that yeah. they've created for you. And <clears throat> you're going to get no's along the way. You're going to get pushed to the side. So it's, to me, this... You're going to get people screaming in your face about your coffee. Yeah. Like, about a damn I'd much rather have you tell me no about an audition. <laughs> exactly. So... Next is a lot more comfortable than getting yelled at. And if you work in a company, even if you're working at a hip company, supposedly hip like MTV or VH1, yeah. you're going to be in a cubicle under fluorescent lights with wall-to-wall -wall carpeting or some kind of, you know, and the thrill is you've got a jukebox in the break room with a pinball machine and a, a keg of beer on tap that you can drink after work in the break room. I mean, like those little things that are just like, um, because everything else is so normalized as corporate mm -hmm. that these little things that are just cool to anybody all the time mm -hmm. are considered a treat for for them right for people like that and I feel like I don't want to bash anybody but I just feel like I, it's not for me and we've been told that this is what we need to do nine to five now it's not even nine to five anymore it's 830 to seven and some places it's beautiful like knowing that you don't have to be at a particular building to go to work right. anymore. You just get the job done. Yeah. That's liberating. Um, but I think that for the most part, most of it is about show up in the box, listen to what we say, do these things, do the right things, and you'll earn your way to another position. Yeah. Um, you'll make more money, and that's the incentive. What the, my incentive is to see people with problems smile. My incentive is to see people that are marginalized step out of that margin into, mm -hmm. and not necessarily into the mainstream. Yeah. My, my pay, what I get paid is watching someone who doesn't want to sing finally sing. That's currency to me. You know what's currency to me? What? This movement you've created in Los Angeles around this play the bench. Ah. You filled, cool. well, 
we filled. Yeah. Because I think it's million drops coming shows together, up. and the League of Women Voters coming together, and these actors that are showing up, right, to give their time, and um, yeah, Rubolo Entertainment. Yeah. You know, like these people that are like, they don't have to. But they're like there and like Randy Goodwin, is that his name? Yeah, Randy Goodwin. Twice now. Yep. Twice now he's come and he's shown up and given his time and is about it. And And what's he getting? He no not one of them got paid. None none of them wanted even reimbursement for their travel. None of them wanted anything. They were shocked when we gave them a tiny little gift of some delicious little cookies. Right. You know, and like you said, he's gonna be there every time. Why? Because he understands it too. His currency is love. His currency is to spread truth. His currency is to break the fucking shackles that, pardon my language, but break these, these shackles, you know, that are set up. So the currency of love um, is not, is actually becoming a stronger, more prevalent currency as well. Yeah. And we're, you know, my, my feeling is we're either going to, the world is either going to um, get swallowed up in love and those who think about the material things in life are going to go extinct. And if it doesn't go that way, then it's going to go the way one of my heroes uh, says, John Brown, and that is, by the way, bloodshed. I don't want it to go that way. Mm-hmm. There's so much love, but there's passion and love, which means if it has to go the way of bloodshed, it will. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so interesting that there's like folks like you and me, right, like, talking about the currency of love, uh, service, is a way that I like to think of it. And just, you know, I learned a long time ago uh, as I was sitting on my fire escape and just like in my late 20s, I was, you know, unpacking my privilege as a queer gentrifier in Koreatown and just keep thinking about that experience a lot and, you know, noticing that like the folks who were talking to me and remembered my name and said hello to me were the folks that were sleeping on the street. There were no tents. There weren't tents in LA like there is now. Um, but these folks were sleeping outside under like cardboard boxes or different things or whatever. I guess maybe at one point they did have a tent. But I remember them talking to me about like what was going to happen in that neighborhood. And I didn't believe them. I was new to Los Angeles. I grew up in a small town. I didn't understand what gentrification was. I've been to my hometown now and seen 20 years later what it looks like on a smaller scale uh-huh. with 7,000 people. Um, but it's so sad to me like what's happening and... It's so much more than getting people inside. It's this like seeing our humanity, like being able to sit with someone and look at them. Like when the knocks come at the door when we're recording a podcast or someone acts out during a workshop. Or or, a a new face shows up to the workshop. Right. And And how do you include them when we're in week seven, week eight with the podcast classes and they're just showing up but they're super interested. Yeah, we've got a packet for you. And we just talked Josh and I tonight before this podcast. Oh, no, no, no. But wait, Scotty. That doesn't follow protocol. They were supposed to be there on time like a good little girl or boy. <laughs> they were supposed to be there on week one. We can't. Well, these are adults. <laughs> we can't make allowances like this. Yes, we can because podcasting is a horizontal medium. Okay. And we can do whatever we want. Um, and I'm learning that. And we're not I'm, controlled by the man. We're not controlled or any person. And I'm realizing that. Like, as... As this is growing and people in the classes are bringing up Joe Rogan and Howard Stern and these really famous podcasters, and I'm like, you realize there's a lot of podcasters out there just like you? And I had them this last week get out the laptops, and I said, if you're not on social media, 
please let's help you create one. Cool. Because you need, I'm getting so many people because I'm hashtagging everything on Instagram, podcast, whatever, who I'm making them up even. I love your social but, media presence. <laughs> I love. People are asking me, businesses that I go into when they're asking me, oh, how's your day going? And I just say, oh, I'm going to podcast. Oh, can I have the, where can I listen? Cool. The security guards where I'm, there's a, a woman that works in security where I'm living in interim housing that wants me to coach her. She's a singer. She's an R&B singer and she wants me to teach her how to podcast. Awesome. It's amazing. It's just these one-to-one -one interactions with yeah. people. It's not tons of no. people. It's not Squarespace. Now, Squarespace, if you hear this and you want right. to sponsor, absolutely. We'll figure that out. <laughs> we'll figure that out. But it's not about that. I'm not, I'm not doing any of this for money. None of the volunteering, none of the things that I'm doing is for money. It's because I realized that there were other people like me, maybe not with the same exact experiences, but there were people like me that weren't being heard. And when I realized that, and I realized, like you said, the power that I have, not just my white skin, my ability to speak, right? My ability that, that I had an education, my ability even with the choir that I'm in, Right. And realizing that like I had a family that was able to afford me piano lessons and prioritize that. And mm -hmm. I started taking piano lessons at like 10 or 11 years old. Not everybody gets that opportunity. Sure. There's so much privilege that I have in this world and how I can't ever let go of it. Right. Because it is what it is, like you said. But how do I use that yeah. and become not just an ally with people, but in solidarity with them. Right. Well, and you realize that like. Folks need people to show up for them and whether it's not just homeless folks because we've discovered that like the intersectionality around homelessness and all the social pathologies and all the different people like there's not a single story right no there's not it's a single not. story and I've been doing my own podcast which I haven't released yet really yeah it's called The Bench and I sit down with people who are experiencing homelessness hmm uh, and uh, you're looking at me like uh I'm so fascinated. I did not know about this. Yeah, I have a few. I have uh, eight episodes cut. They're in the can. They're not. I haven't launched them yet. Um, it's you haven't posted about this though. Either. No, not no, no. Wow. No. It'll happen when it's right. Um, but it's one on one interview. I I can tell you, like I've met with somebody down on Skid Row. I've okay. met with somebody with a sign on the median in on Venice Boulevard. Okay. Uh, I was back home in Hartford um, this past week, and there was a dude at the shopping center so I did that guy so the idea is to as some people think you know you cap I'm capturing these stories so that I can make money or steal yeah. their stories or or exploit these stories it's not really it it's really about giving voice to the people like you didn't know the 70 year old woman who was an yeah. uh, operating room nurse at UCLA is now homeless and how it happened yeah. you know the young lady that I interviewed was 43 driving in her car, we did the interview in the car, yeah. the car she's living in, yeah. you know, and driving uh, as a Lyft driver. Yeah. So that's her office and her home. Yeah. So um, sharing those stories, and I've been sharing some of these podcasts privately with people right. to get feedback, and they're like, holy crap, these people are blowing me away. It's, yeah. not, it's not the same story, like right. you said. It's yeah. not the same story every time. And will I earn money from that? I will earn money, like, I will earn something. I don't know if it's money. I don't know if it's another opportunity. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm not going to become a millionaire off of doing podcasts. Podcast. Well, <laughs> some people are. Some people are. But, but they're not really becoming a millionaire off of podcasting. They have other right. things that it's they're a, doing, exactly. right? And it's another way for you yeah. to be seen or known and heard. And so that's, that's part of it. And isn't that what 
is that's what the bench play is about. Totally. The bench play is so about that that there's a story happening, right? There's life happening in front of you, right, on this stage. It happens to be 1987, yep. right? But there's life happening in front of you on the stage. But that moment when the narrator pulls away to give the context. Oh, I love the way you said that, yeah. It blows me away every single time because you're caught up in this moment of like these people acting out and um, in this My Path 50 yoga training that I went to uh, two weekends ago, we were talking about the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems and how that's a real thing, right? And and our fight or flight response as humans is a very real thing, right? Sure. As is talking to each other and storytelling face to face is a real thing anthropologically, historically, yeah. right? And just acknowledging that like, it's not just for people who are surviving homelessness because there's lots of people that can get angry and frustrated and act out and whatever, but like, there's a context behind it. There's a whole story that we don't know yes. that this person is going through that we have no, and I'm going to say it, no fucking idea what they're going through. Yeah. We don't know the experiences that they've had. And I'm not saying that like, because I keep hearing things lately, people going, oh, you know, don't wear your victimhood. And you know, people need to, someone even posted that the other day, don't wear your victimhood because Jesus has not called you to be a victim and all of this stuff. And I was just like, by sharing my story, I'm not playing the victim. Right. What I'm doing is there's other people that need to hear that. Right? Even about my mental health. When I'm struggling yeah. with suicidal ideations and things, yeah. there's other people that I know that have come out to me and said, you know, I go through that same thing, but I'm too scared to talk to anybody about it. And I'm like, thankfully, I have a father who loved me enough to say, talk about it. That's talk great. about it. You go through this, talk about it because you're not the only one who feels it. But other people don't ever talk about it. Global Board of Directors yeah. does not want you to talk about it. No. They want you to eat it. Yeah. They want you to eat it and just follow the orders. Yeah. Because you're not supposed to be unhappy. You're supposed to be positive all the time. Everything's supposed to... I can tell you what I'm not happy about. I'm not happy about what's happening currently with homelessness in Los Angeles, with whatever that is, 4118 or whatever. Just, and it, now they're bringing the federal government in yeah. to like tour Skid Row and all of these things. And I'm like, they're going to collude with white supremacy like people that are right. locking folks up, and this is where they're getting to. And I saw a thing today where one of our elected officials did that, and he then posted the hashtag everyone in. And I like immediately got onto one of the organizers' Facebooks from the United Way from everyone in, and I was, and I posted the Twitter post, and I was like, what about this? I want to be sure that the United Way isn't involved in this, sure. because I don't want to think that someone's going to come around and round up people that I know that are intense and haul them off to some facility somewhere and forcing them to get inside. And that's the way that we're going to, because this is a human right to get people into shelter. That's not what this is about. No, this is not. There this are... is about humanizing these folks. Right. Seeing and, their humanity. And giving them the opportunities that other people have. Right. Not, you know, you don't... Uh... You don't wait for people that are getting going out on their lunch break that work at Netflix to round them up and say, you don't go home to your apartment now, you go to this government facility, right? right? These aren't cattle, these aren't pieces yeah. of furniture, these are human yeah. beings. Yeah. And they need to be, everybody, like we've said earlier, is an individual case with an individual right. story behind them. And I've been seeing in LA that there are in, um, there are a hundred solutions. Yeah. There's so many solutions. Yeah. And just a matter of will. We don't have the will because we have, as a country, as a culture, have mm -hmm. been trained to be all about for me and my nuclear family mm -hmm. and nothing else. Right. And that's not working, but 
that's not being acknowledged at all. So we've got people living on the street and not being cared for on an individual basis. Mm-hmm. If you look at like old people, then you know we've elderly. Mm-hmm. It's a bad way to say it, right? Old people, elderly people. We we in most cases we treat them with respect. There are senior centers. There are are. Um, there are, uh, what do you call them, uh, convalescent homes. There mm-hmm. are places for people who are old and cannot take care of some of the right. simple functions that they need to yeah. because of the, their age. They get assisted living, yeah. right? Why don't we do that with homeless people? Why don't we do that with people experiencing homelessness? The guy who's on drugs, yes, we gotta work with that person. The woman who's schizophrenic, the person who just had a rough patch and has been down so long they forgot how to get up, right? Supportive housing, all that kind of stuff. The solutions are there. We're not programmed as human beings, as Americans specifically. I don't know any other experience because that's where I've mm-hmm. been living. Um, we're not programmed to do that. We're programmed, again, to be out for ourselves, the best. USA, 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 beat your chest, the greatest of all time. And that serves one person, and it's a pretty short-sighted version. Yeah. And I don't even know who said it there's this great quote that I always see on Facebook about like wise people plant trees knowing that they're never going to sit in their shade that's a super paraphrase and I feel really bad that I don't know how it actually goes but it's so powerful because even in the interim housing that I'm in experiences that I've had that I've spoken up about I didn't realize some of the things I spoke up about there weren't policies for because interim housing is different than bridge housing. It's different than other things. Uh-huh. Interim housing is a different model that the county's been using for like two or three years. And there weren't some policies in place. And me speaking up actually impacted nice. things, right? And I had no idea. I just knew that I was getting really How upset. How dare and I was you speak in, up? How dare right? you speak up, well, Scotty? They, you, they say I like to stir the pot. I see. <laughs> the only time you should speak up is if you're on The Voice or American Idol. Because that is a very organized, categorized way of putting the cattle in, in line. Oh, yes. Oh, ooh, yes. Counting on somebody else. And I'll take this back to the Seeking podcasting class. Yeah, I'll take this back to the podcasting class again. People keep in the class looking for these hard and fast, like, rule. Like, what are the, I'm like, there's not. There's not. I'm giving you tips. I'm giving you tips about what I've done. And you're going to find things that other people have done. Some of those tips might work for you. Yeah. And some of them won't. And you'll discover new ones and hopefully you'll share them with others as well. And some people monetize their podcasts and some people don't. Right. And if you monetize your podcast, then hopefully you're taking that income and doing something along the same lines to grow it to a larger audience or Mm -hmm. make it more accessible for people. Like You don't have to be teaching a podcast class. You could just be doing these interviews constantly. You, Scotty, class. Yeah. But you, you understand the value of creating a platform for somebody and letting them come in and tell their story and have a conversation with you. And then you, I guess, you, you then realize, wait a minute, not only can I offer a platform, I'm learning about how to do this. I can tell people what I've learned and let them start creating a platform, right? I actually went to a class. These ladies, uh, Locatura Radio here in LA, they're two Latinos and they started a uh, podcast together and they researched their niche, right? All these things I'm learning about and their niche was gonna be like Latinas who weren't being high, like up and coming Latinas who people hadn't really heard about yet, yeah. but in like 10 years are gonna be like the heavy hitters, cool, right? 
And I went to their class. They were doing these things with LA Made with the public library. And I went to the one in Little Tokyo. There were like four people there that I knew from the choir, which I thought was interesting. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, ooh, Urban Voices Project in the house. And then all of a sudden, comes to the, towards the end of the class and one of the ladies raises her hand and goes, where can I go and like actually get on equipment and like learn? And they were like, well, we don't know. And like, and I'm thinking, wait a minute. So they've been doing this about as long as I have. I have a whole bunch of episodes that I produced and hosted in my hometown. Why can't we, we've got a learning center here. Why can't, sure. why can't we do this? And so we talked to Micah. She's actually going to be sitting down with folks to do a little 15 minute um, with all the class participants really? to do interviews with them, and then we're going to listen to them as a class. Oh, great. Yeah, at least the people that are Micah willing Boat, to Micah Boat, the founder of... Micah Bot. Bot. I guess found... I called her Bot. I Boat do the American thing sometimes. <laughs> right, Boat. well, yeah. Micah Bot, who's yeah. founded a million drops. Yes, yeah, so um, maybe really quick just to tell people about a million drops. We offer lots of classes, right? We have the the... Leadership? What are you calling it? Unscripted leadership. Unscripted leadership. I call it the improv class, but it's unscripted leadership. Uh, we have a film club. Uh, we have there's a cooking, poetry group. There's cooking classes. Yeah. There's a, a botany. This is a really special yeah. place. And for me, when I come here, um, when I'm having a terrible day or a rough day, I start to think about how lucky I am to be able to come here and um, offer for not only them, it's selfish too, right. my own little oasis. Yeah, for myself to do crazy things like you yeah. said, like make weird noises and yeah. get on the ground and do crazy contortions and stuff, and feel safe about doing that. It's community. It's a great feeling. And thank you, Micah, for this yeah. vision, right? And the board of a million drops, and just this vision to like create this space and the space for creative people like you and me and other folks, because you know, like the film club is taught by one of the participants as well, like exactly. the podcasting And when classes. I'm not here because I'm doing something, one of our students, who's one of the managers here, or the manager here, Josh Townsend, fills in and has now become one of the teachers. That's amazing. It's great. Yeah. It's great. So it's not just teaching um, the skills and the, uh, and the principles of leadership. It's actually stepping aside and let somebody become a leader. And he has. Say that again. It's not about only creating leadership, but stepping aside so that somebody else can lead too. I think that's closer to. Wow. And you're, you're doing the same thing. Knowledge. And you're doing yeah, the same thing. Yeah, but I'm surviving homelessness. You're not surviving homelessness. And there's so many people that come to be in community with those of us who are surviving homelessness and don't think that we can lead and don't put us in positions of leadership and don't allow us to be. And just the fact that you are, I mean, I knew that you were doing that with Josh, but the fact that you said that on the podcast yeah. is just so huge, right? And it's so, it's validating. It's so Completely. validating, man, that you, you understand the power that that can do for somebody, right? And, and watching that for somebody, everybody else is watching that as well. So they're like, wow, Josh was one of the members of the class. He still is but he actually steps up and takes over. Wow, I could maybe do that, you know? And if whether it's, and, and maybe it's not what, like you said, planting the seeds, it's not like what they're seeing in class. Maybe not, they may not be thinking, I wanna lead the class now, yeah. but they, there may be another part of their life that we don't know about where they can take a leadership role and yeah. step up. 
because they watch Josh do it. They watch me do it or whoever. Yeah, showing up. And it's that theme yeah. of showing show up. up right? I saw somebody hashtag that, and I was like, I'm jumping on that. Yeah. Show up. Yeah. Um, witness is another one. Yeah. Witness. That's what the bench is about. It's about witnessing what I saw, what I felt, how I met and interacted with people, and then sharing that so that the rest of the world can get that window you're talking mm -hmm. about, which is, oh, I didn't know that uh, the guy got had a head injury. He just looked like a drunk on the street. Right. I didn't know he actually was driving a truck yeah. and had a head injury yeah. and didn't get the proper care. Oh, I guess I don't, you know. The other one, the other thing is when people are approach somebody that's experiencing homelessness and they, I've got a um, half a cheeseburger here. I'm sorry, I'm vegan. I don't eat meat. Oh. So the dehumanization continues because the person with the burger says, no, 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 don't you understand? You're supposed to eat whatever the fuck I give you. Or half eaten. Like I, yeah. like I want what you didn't want to finish. Like, right. like I'm your kid And I'm or supposed something. to be yeah. totally like genuflecting to you because yeah. you're offering me <laughs> your half the eaten meal. Cheeseburger. <laughs> you know? A perfect example though. Right. And it's so, it's so, so, so true. So true, yeah. Thank you for being such an advocate and getting it. Like, Thanks, man. I'm excited yeah. about it. I'm excited about it. Like some days I don't see myself as a white guy. I just see myself as a guy and yeah. I go off and do my thing. And then some days I'm like, you know what? You're pretty damn white right now. Better be aware of that and see how yeah. that is going to affect positively what's going on here. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? So if people want to learn more about The Bench Play, how can they find out about it? Thebenchplay.com. Okay. Thebenchplay.com. Um, got shows in New York and in LA, and the Bench uh, podcast is going to come out soon. But if you go to thebenchplay.com, you can also see that we we created a graphic novel of the play, and we've then taken the drawings by the brilliant artist Daphne Arthur. Beautiful drawings. And we've blown them up for our set, and now we've actually teamed up with a um, website called Fine Art America. Okay. And now you can buy the images. In different ways. Somebody just bought one as a cell phone case. <gasps> you can do a shower curtain. You could do. A I could buy the wall. airplane one as something. The, yeah. Oh my It could my be gosh. a poster. It could be a. It could be a. I want to buy cards. a bag. It like could a be a bag. bag. Oh yeah. my gosh! I love that. I that I'm obsessed with that airplane one. And when I've been going to the Matrix Theater, I always because the airplane one ends up somehow kind of on edge. right I in front sit. of you. It's not oh, somehow. You do? I purposely you do it. Do it? Oh, good. Okay. Do it. So thank you for not oh, putting good. the reserved sign in front of that one. I'll make sure um, from now on yeah, I don't do that. Yeah, Scotty's That's great. Um, and so the podcast then is also going to be called The Bench. Yep. Okay, that's cool. That's yep. cool. And when when is your anticipated? Uh, I'm not sure. You don't uh, know? Maybe I got to get, I want to get like you, I want to get 20 episodes. Okay. I have eight that I like and that are already yeah. cut and ready to go. Um, and I have like five that are kind of a mess that I don't know how to handle. Yeah. So I, I don't know if I should use them or not. And I still want to do more stories. So. Oh yeah. yeah. So will this be after the 20 is going to be like an ongoing thing for you? Yeah. I think you'd be amazing. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure you are amazing at it actually. I like it because we're not in the studio and we say that mm -hmm. at the top of the thing. We're not in the studio. We're yeah. not in the sound booth. We're out on the street with yeah. all the noises and sometimes yeah. cars are whizzing by. Sometimes mm -hmm. there's babies screaming in the background. It's great. You yeah. Know? It's real life. Yeah. Yeah. Any last things you want to leave our listeners with? Uh, another site, if you want to check out the full scope of what I'm doing, it's Galinsky Coaching. Okay. Galinsky oh, yeah. with a Y. GalinskyCoaching.com. Um, and I just say, you know, forget about it. 
don't uh, you know don't uh, step with the, the global board of directors because the global board of directors is only cares about their yacht <laughs> that's right. all they care about yeah and in i don't really know what else i could say you know it's a teasing yeah. there but with the with the accent but no it's like be yourself do your own thing that's when you go to bed at night when i go to bed at night that's i believe i believe like i know that if i pass tomorrow that I have contributed. I don't need to see these seeds grow. I learned that a long time ago right. because I was doing workshops in special education in mm-hmm. Bronx and Brooklyn in these really terrible um, conditions. And I, I got frustrated a couple times and then soon realized, wait a minute, you're not gonna see if this is gonna change anybody. Yeah. Just know that you're in that mm-hmm. room with them now and that's the most, most important moment. Something yeah. can happen. Yeah. Absolutely. The currency of service. Yeah. I love you, Robert Gerlinski. You, you too, are Scott. amazing. You're such an inspiration. You are too. I swear to God. Thank you very much. Thanks for supporting my show. Oh, of course. Of course. Thank you You're for, for show. Yeah. communicating with me online. Yeah. It's great. I sometimes feel like we've got a um, two paper cups with a string and we're oh, talking absolutely. to each other. Yes, yes. Hashtag yes, paper yes. cups. On LinkedIn, on Facebook. Yeah. I need to join Twitter. Right. I need to follow you everywhere. Uh, yeah, super awesome. Thank you so much, Robert Galinsky, for being our guest here on Real Good Stuff. You can learn more at realgoodstuff.org. Uh, thank you to our sponsor, A Million Drops, amilliondrops.org, and to Micah Bot, the founder and director. We really appreciate you creating this space. Yay! We love the community that you continue to bring into our lives, Micah. Thank you. Thank you all for listening, and have a great day. Bye-bye. This little light of mine.